fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me again this week, and how good is it, folks, to be back because NBA basketball is officially here. It's media day today. Training camp kicks off for the Bulls this week, and we all couldn't be more excited to see this team back out there. And while I'm pumped that uh, Bulls basketball is finally back and that we've got something a little bit more substantive to talk about, there's only one thing that can possibly excite me more, and that's being in the presence of a truly great man. And you all may know my guest today as the leader of the Sea Red Army, as a prophet who foresees 93% of future events, or possibly as one of the original Bulls podcasting legends. But to me, he is just my great friend. He's Sea Red Fred, aka Fred Pfeiffer, and he joins me now. Fred, how are you doing, mate? I'm living the dream, Mark. Gosh, friend of years, friend of tears. What an intro. I, I'm almost teared up uh, halfway through that. I, I, I've never had a better introduction than that. I might oh, have save to the best for that. you, mate. Yeah, very impressive, man. It's awesome to talk to you again. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about the beloved bull. It's finally here. I, I know, you know, for most of us in C Red Nation, we were pretty excited excited with all the moves that they did over the over the summer. But it's kind of been a lull, you know, for thirty to forty five days with really nothing to talk about besides the uh, the atrocity that happened for, with FIBA. But now we're back, and I'm really looking forward to this season. I think we're in for quite a ride that's going to end up uh, with a positive ending for both of us. Well, it's been a couple of months since we've actually spoken. We, we, I, I guess our friendship <laughs> exists mostly online, unfortunately, <laughs> just just due to the uh, the divide between our our great countries. But yeah, it's been a couple of months since we talked, and you mentioned it there. There probably hasn't been that much to really talk about. I know. I've felt over the last few episodes, I've probably been going over the same old topics in terms of Bulls stuff because there just hasn't been that much news. But Bulls basketball is finally back, which is exciting for it. I think every Bulls fan at this point is pretty pretty excited to see what this uh, this new iteration of Bulls is going to do this season. It's mostly the same team coming back, but I guess there are a few few key additions. So we'll see how it all unfolds with preseason virtually a week away. I guess not too not too more not too much longer than that. So. Uh, I thought what we could do today, though, given that we're approaching the season and given that it hasn't necessarily kicked off just yet, we did one of these maybe, uh, I feel like it was maybe six months ago, maybe maybe even longer. I wanted to do a bit of a mailbag because I personally haven't done one for a bit of time, but I thought whilst getting you on, we can make it a C-Red edition of the mailbag. So are you happy to do that with me, Fred? Let's answer some uh, listeners' questions. I can't recall many things in my life that have made me more excited than this mailbag, so I'm ready to rock. You definitely sounded excited when you said that. <laughs> All I gotta say is, man, the last thirty days, pretty much ninety-five percent of my online interactions have been about fulfilling this ridiculous bet I made last year. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward for additional content to talk about. We'll definitely we'll get, touch we'll on that. that. <laughs> we will definitely get to that. We will definitely get to that after the mailbag. But I think for first. People took the time to write in, so let's get to the questions. And this one let's first, do it. The, the first one comes in from Michael, and he asks, "Are the Bulls really keeping Chris Dunn? And if so, is he really going to get steady rotation minutes? It just feels wrong. The Bulls have made it clear that they're moving in a different direction, and I'm not, and I'm just not sure that, that that's a good culture move to keep him at this point. So, give us your thoughts, Fred. What are you, what are your, what are your thoughts to Michael's question here around Chris Dunn? Because it probably is the the biggest outstanding item heading into the season, I guess. So let me start out with a quote from a July article from Sam Smith. I'm not sure if everybody saw this. Sam Smith's article at Bulls.com, quote, an intriguing scene I witnessed in Summer League gave me pause and piqued my interest. Several players, including Levine and Young, came in for the games. 
Then I heard Chris Dunn would be there also. I was somewhat surprised considering all the speculation about him being on the outside, likely traded and so on. But Dunn was especially upbeat and greeted John Paxson like a long-lost brother, and they appeared to have a friendly chat. And then with, it seems, not much subsequent talk about another transaction. And Sadoransky in an interview saying the Bulls didn't tell him he would be a starter. So it's sounding more like Dunn will be with the team. And what's been from indications of a summer of serious work from him, suddenly with the late season acquisition of Porter, the Bulls have perhaps as much fat depth as uh, depth as any team in the Eastern Conference, end quote. I don't understand, this is me talking now. I don't understand the urgency to get rid of Chris Dunn. If he was a negative force in the locker room, completely understand it. All indications are, from what I've heard, he is beloved by his teammates. He didn't play point guard in his first year in the league in Minnesota. That's on, on record. So last season was really only his second year at the position. I feel injuries have hurt more than, than any other player uh, on this team. And his peers in the NBA don't feel his defense is underrated. He's an elite defender. So I don't understand the urgency to trade Zach Levine right now at probably his lowest trade value since he's been with the Bulls. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm excited about the possibility of have, finally having a Bulls team that has incredible depth a incredible versatility on the defensive end. That's exactly what Chris Dunn brings. What say you? I, I, I'm not a Chris Dunn fan. I've, I've made it pretty clear that I'd be happy to move him at this point. I, I, I think it doesn't necessarily make sense to keep him around. But at the same time, I also kind of agree with what you're suggesting. Maybe they should keep him around, at least for now, because it's, I'm looking at it purely from a trade value perspective. And maybe that's a little bit cold and uh, I'm not necessarily factoring factoring in all the other elements that you sort of just mentioned about him being a good teammate, his teammates loving him, those sorts of things, whatever it may be. But uh, I think I think his trade value at this point is probably non-existent to the point where I'd rather just run him out there for the opening 20, 30 games and see what you can do in terms of drumming up that value. And maybe you can flip him for a, a similarly packaged wing, I guess. And I think that's the ideal move here. But I, I don't think... I don't think he's going to be a, uh, an issue in the locker room, at least based on what we know now. Maybe that changes in the season, but I think it's probably, I think it probably would be the wrong move now to trade Chris Dunn heading into the season. The, the moment that you needed to do it was pretty much as, as free agency was opening up, as the draft was taking place back in June, July. That's when you needed to do it. I don't see the point of doing it now. Agree, hundred percent. And so I had a tweet the other day about, which was a question: the Bulls have multiple point guards who can play with Dunn due to. Dunn's defensive prowess, he can guard any two in the league. What unconventional backcourt pairing with Dunn would you most like to see the Bulls try at times? So I gave the following the following four options. Sadoransky, Dunn, White, Dunn, Harrison, Dunn, Ryan A. Dunn. Which grouping there for you uh, piques your interest? I think Dunn and White makes the most sense to me. And I say that because I think they're both most likely to be bench players heading into this season, or at least that's what I would be doing if I were coach of this team. And I think White probably still, he, he's got less experience playing the point guard position than Chris Dunn has. You mentioned Chris Dunn only, I guess, last season. It was his second season playing point guard full time. But obviously, Kobe White has even less experience of doing that in the NBA. So I actually kind of like the idea of getting Kobe White minutes at shooting guard, which means you can have Chris Dunn leading that second unit, which is probably a better role for him anyway. So to me, that position probably or that combination makes most sense i know casey johnson sort of floated in his first piece on nbc sports or with nbc sports that dunn is still very much in the frame in terms of being a starter so i like dunn off the bench and i like him with kobe white because i think it meshes both their games quite well actually 
I actually like so the the group that won was Sadoransky done with fifty seven percent over White done with thirty seven percent, which is you know second. I agree with a lot what you said. My issue with I'm not expecting anything out of White this year. I just think he shot it so poorly. Uh, he didn't shoot a great in college from three. I'm not expecting a lot of him. He's a young kid, and I want to see him grow. And I think he's going to be a good player. I, you know, he's kind of like even out of the rotation potentially for me, at least initially. Sadoransky done. Sadoransky brings the shooting that I think is an, an imperative next to Dunn. And he's not a guy who's going to demand the ball, whereas Dunn could be more ball dominant with the second unit. I I would envision, let's say, a Dunn, Sadoransky, Hutch, uh, Thad Young, Wendell Carter Jr. grouping. Those four, four of those five guys are plus defenders. Sadoransky, I would say, is probably just average. I think that has the ability to be an elite defensive team that will really, you know, shut down offenses. And I, I still go back to the same thing. You look at the East, Trey Young, uh, Kyrie Irving. There's a lot of good point guards in the East. Dunn, to me, is the best answer defensively on this roster. So I, I'm not for trading him. I don't understand the the, the uh, you know general. I would agree with you, though. I think there's a general from the fan base, he's got to be off the roster. I'm not, I, I don't agree with it. Yeah, I, I get, I get, I get why that exists. It, it, I understand that, why that exists. And I understand why Michael might be suggesting as much. And I, I, I if we were three, four months back in time, I, I would probably echo his opinion, but I think the balls have waited too long at the moment. So it probably doesn't make sense to do it now, but let's move on to the next question. This one comes in from TD Moss at Sir Brian G2 on Twitter. He asks the young Bulls core, and he's including Levine, Porter, Wendell Carter Jr., and Larry in that core. He says they missed a combined 139, 113 games, excuse me, last season. Is that bad luck or poor conditioning by the team? How healthy do these four need to be at a minimum for the Bulls to have a successful season? So I guess there's multiple angles that we can sort of attack that question with, but I guess the fundamental element of that question, question, Fred, is how healthy do these four need to be for this season to be a success? What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, all four of them need to play, hopefully, between 60 and 72 games, or or else it's going to be another disaster like it was last season. I don't care if you're Golden State. If you're missing uh, four, if four of your top six players are missing grand, grand swaths of the season, you're not going to have a good year. So uh, I think we're all – the odds of the Bulls having another season like they had in the last two in terms of injuries is just astronomical. So I don't expect them to have another injury, uh, injury-riddled injury season. A lot of those injuries were kind of fluke. Wendell Carter – so I, I, I think there was a subtle shot at the training staff. Wendell Carter Jr.'s injury would have happened – what training staff is going to prevent that injury from happening? What training staff is going to prevent Lori Markkinen's elbow injury that occurred in, in training camp? Like those are not injuries that are due to poor conditioning. Um, you know, Levine, Levine's injuries, his, his biggest injuries occurred before he came to the Bulls, you know, and I thought the Bulls were kind of playing it safe a lot of times last year. They probably could have played more games than they actually did. I I think the the the, the bigger point here is, you need to have those role players that rebound and, and and play D and really do the things that help win games. I'm watching a game from January uh, from Indiana versus the Raptors, and Thad Young put up, I think, 21, 23 points and 15 rebounds. It was one of the most impressive role player performances I've ever seen. He had a block on Siakam on a help, help play, there's not a, a bull on last year's roster with the p- potential exception of Wendell Carter Jr. that could even come close to making this play. So Thad Young is a guy that is exponentially better 
at doing the things that lead to wins than Bobby Portis is. It's just a fact. And, and I think those are the type of players that we're kind of looking over, overlooking, and we're kind of focusing on, oh, we need Zach to make the next step. I thought Zach was darn good last year. And if he, if he replicates what he did last year, we're going to be fine. If Laurie Markkinen puts up his February and, and, you know, puts up around a 20 and 10, we're going to be fine. It's these other guys that we've added that is really going to, that's really going to be the delta between how good we can be and how good, you know, or how, how, how disappointing we can be. What say you? No, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and and I, obviously a lot of the talk is about Larry and Levine, and I get it; it makes sense. But I think what makes a good NBA team, particularly in the regular season, is depth, role players, and a good defense. They're the things that really can elevate a team from being a twenty-five, thirty-win team to being a decent playoff team. We saw that with the Orlando Magic last season, where for a period there that they were, if they weren't the best defense in the NBA, they were pretty close to it, even with a, you know, a so-so offense. Now, I'm not necessarily expecting the Bulls to be second in defense or whatever it may be, but it's just an example of where you can sort of get by with having so-so players, maybe not even having a, a top five, top 10, even a top 50 player. Maybe, maybe the Magic had that in, in Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, but just barely. But I guess the point is you don't need that top end talent to have a a great season you can still be putting together a a good record and a a winning situation with a good defense good solid role players and depth on the roster and I guess that's my biggest question heading into the season because I think the Bulls definitely have the talent and I think their core core four players I don't know if I necessarily include Otto in that because I think he's a little bit older to be considered a core guy but I think if we just think about Larry Zach and Wendell that's a good foundation but I'm excited about guys like like you mentioned, Sadoransky, like Thad Young, and even Chris Dunn to a degree coming off that bench in a different role. Maybe he can add some experience as a four-year vet now. I think there's some elements to the Bulls having some depth into this roster that may sort of help them get to that 40 wins pace. I don't know if they'll do it. I guess injuries will dictate that. But I think to your point, uh, the bench pieces or those role players will ultimately determine how good or bad this Bulls team is because uh, we, I guess we should expect Zach, Lowry, Wendell, etc. to take that next step. But it's those younger guys, maybe, well, maybe not even the younger guys, some some of the older guys that they've brought in, the veterans on this team to really support the team and, and to help that team take that next step. Yeah, if you go back to last year too, when you go back into the season, you think, you know, going into the first game, who were our top three players? I think most people would have said it was probably Dunn, Lowry, Zach Levine. Then let's go, who's the next best three? Bobby Portis, probably Jabari Parker. Um, yeah, gosh, you know. Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday, right, probably <laughs> Justin Holiday. It's so laughable to think. And now when you look, all right, let's, who, who's our top three going into this year? Probably Zach, um, you know, obviously Lori, Otto Porter Jr., Thad Young, Sadoransk. I mean, it, it's exponentially better. So as long the, the reason Orlando though won so many games last year, if you look at their roster, their top six players played seventy or more games. The reasons the reason the Pistons made the play made the playoffs because their top their top five players played you know seventy five or more games. They were remark Blake Griffin played seventy five games, which is very unusual for him. You know their best players played a ton of games. The Bulls didn't have anywhere near that. You know their their, their top six players were guys that aren't even on the roster. Blake and E, you know. Uh, you know, guys like Lopez and, and Felicio and, uh, you know, Ryan A is a nice story and all, but he shouldn't be top, you know, top five in games played. So I think we're both in agreement 
that if we can get 70, 65 to 75 games out of our top six players, this team's going to be a playoff team. I, I think we could agree on that. I think that's fair. And look, the Bulls aren't good enough where they can afford to lose one of these players, be it Otto Porter, Levine, Larry Markin, whoever it is. They need those four guys to be at healthy. And, and I kind of agree that we need 65 games from all four at least. They can't go through stretches, particularly with Otto Porter and Wendell Carter, I think, where those guys miss half the season or whatever it may be. Because those depth, or the depth at those positions are probably weaker than others. So the Bulls can't lose those guys, but they need all four of those players to, to play 65, 75 games, whatever it might be, because they're not that good just yet that they can afford to lose those guys. So I, I, I agree with you that all four of those guys need to be around, but based on last season as well, there's more depth here and they that depth should help these guys get through the season a little bit as well. So let's move on to the next question, Fred. And this one comes in from at, at Devon2021NU and he asks... It seems as though all of Bulls' Twitter believes in Otto's ability to be a terrific glue guy and makes guys around him, namely Zach and Lowry, more efficient players. What happens if Otto declines his player options and signs for a guaranteed money elsewhere? What happens then? And this is an interesting question because I heard you just you and uh, Kevin Anderson discuss this on your most recent podcast, and he talked you out of it, and, and he sort of suggested that maybe, or he would be surprised. If well, he didn't talk me out. Otto of it. sort of. Takes- I still think he's. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna uh, exercise the option. Well, he he, he reassured you to a degree because Kevin is of the opinion that Otto is opting into that last year of his deal, whereas I'm here to get, draw you back to the dark side, Fred, <laughs> and I think he is opting out of that deal for sure. I think he would be kind of silly to opt into that deal, particularly if he has a healthy and strong season like we all hope he does. Yeah, it's a great question. Like, uh, and I think it's been one that's been largely ignored. And it's kind of interesting when you look in retrospect, when that trade was made for Otto Porter Jr., the incredible outrage that I heard on their local radio waves. You don't hear that since you're in Australia, but I'm here in Chicago and, you know, what a horrible contract. This is a joke. You know, we're, we're, we're now we're guaranteed. We got to pay this guy, you know, over 50 million and just, just the, the outrage is so pathetic. And in, in retrospect, now we're, we're actually talking like well, he's probably going to exercise the option, you know, so we're, we're going to have to we got another problem that we didn't probably foresee. Uh, I agree. I like Kevin. There's few people I respect their opinion more on issues than this one. But I, I disagree with him. The more I thought about it afterwards, I should have been stronger about it. I just don't see why he would turn down. I think it'd be a massive risk to turn down you know, 90 to 120 million guaranteed. Let's start out with that one. I want to get your opinion on that. If he's an unrestricted, unrestricted free agent next year, what do you think Otto Porter will get on the open market? Yeah, this pains me to say it, but I actually agreed with you <laughs> when you mentioned that 20 to 23 number on your podcast. I actually think it could be a little bit yes. north of that. But I, I think Harrison Barnes really is the template for Otto Porter Jr. in the sense that Barnes opted out of guaranteed money. He came back to the Kings and he opted into a new four-year deal or a four-year extension or whatever it might have been with the Kings. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was four and 90, something like that. So it's pretty much bang on those numbers that you sort of quoted there. And I think we can all agree that Otto Porter is a better player than Harrison Amen. Barnes. So, and, and, and that was in 2019 free agency. The 2020 free agency class is going to be a lot weaker to the point where he may be able to squeeze out a few mil annually than Harrison Barnes did. So I think the only chance here that, that someone like Poyer opts into the final year of his deal is if he has a bad injury plague season. But if he actually has himself a good solid season, does Otto Porter typical things, plays 70 games and just looks damn good from that three position, then I would be extremely surprised if he doesn't 
opt out of that deal. And two, the question here, I think the Bulls are in quite a bit of an issue if he does opt out and finds himself in I agree. Home. I think the only way he opts in is if he has a poor year, if he, if he gets hurt, if he misses 60 games, right? It, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm going to take the assumption that he is going to leave. So let's, let's go, go from there that uh, not leave, but uh, become an unrestricted free agent. So I think a lot depends then on how Hutchinson Valentine play this season. So do you want to gamble and go for a home run on Giannis? I'm of the belief that Giannis is not has not probably been happy with the Bucks offseason. I don't think the Bucks are a better team. I, I don't think losing Malcolm Brogdon, who I think most uh, observers would agree with me, he was the second best player in that team in the playoffs. He's an excellent player. You, you lose a guy like that really to save money. Uh, so it, it, I I don't think the Bucks are better than the Sixers, and I think they're going to have a disappointing year, provided the Sixers are healthy. I think it's entirely possible he could be unhappy at the end of next year, and that leaves you in a situation where, well, what do we do now? You know, like do we go for a homer and go for a player like that in two years, or do we sign? Do we sign on a Porter Junior? Is going to be if we're going to have any monochrome, a monochrome of success this year? I think it's going to be partly or largely in part due to his presence as a guy who can spread the floor, plays good, good, you know, great defense. Three and D guys are pretty rare in this league. Definitely guys as good as Otto Porter Jr. It's a really difficult question. I would be more of the, of the mind to sign him, to go and, and extend, even if it is, let's say 25 to 26 for a four or five year deal. It's a lot of money, but I think he's young enough. He's valuable enough. He's going to. He's a kind of guy that really allows players like Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen to reach their potential. So a lot of it depends, though. What happens if Hutch really takes a step, or Valentine really proves out to be everything I've predicted him to be? Then maybe you can afford. <laughs> Don't worry, we got some Valentine questions coming up, so we can address Denzel. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. But but would you agree that I think that's kind of. What, what happens if, if Hutch and Valentine really take steps this year? Would you be more inclined to let him go? I probably would at that point, but I, I don't foresee. It's a really difficult one. I'm going to say, though, I would prefer that they sign him. I'm going to predict the Bulls are going to win 45 games. I think that Levine and Markin are going to make huge strides. And a guy like Otto Porter is is a glue, is, is the real glue that allows that kind of progress to happen. What say you? Well, I mean, Devin asks what happens or what's next for the Bulls if they do lose Otto Porter. And I guess you mentioned it or you touched on it there. What's next? Is he going all, all in on Giannis, which is something I've said they should be doing regardless. 2021 should be about trying to steal Giannis from the box and bring him into Chicago. But if you lose Otto Porter Jr. and you open up that cap space, that becomes even, I guess, more easier to to create that cap space to bring in someone like Giannis. So obviously it would suck to lose Otto Porter Jr. But if the uh, potential benefit of that is, is that it makes it a lot easier from a cap perspective than to to go after someone like Giannis, then that is what you do, I guess. That's the fallback position. I, I don't know if that works. Obviously, it's a minute chance, but I, I would probably rather take that chance than banking on Denzel Valentine or Cam <laughs> Hutchinson being the small forward of the future. I think the reality would be you, you try to you sign your, for, your small forward in free agency if you do strike out. With Giannis, which is probably going to happen, but I think that's what you would do. You would you would use Hutchinson as a stopgap for the, the following season if if um, Otto Porter was to walk, and then you have a play at Giannis. If you miss on Giannis, then you sign a small forward. I think that's I think ultimately that's what would happen. I'll throw out one more option. I think Golden State, or like a team like Golden State, let's say the trade deadline comes and the Bulls are a five hundred team, 
Hutch has made improvements. Uh, Valentine's made improvements. Would you consider making a trade with like a Golden State for? I I guess what would you want in return? I think he could command quite a bit in return in the fact that he has a large expiring, but he's still a very valuable player for a playoff team. You know what I mean? Or do you disagree? Well, I mean, who would you who would you want from Golden State? Their roster's not that great at the moment. Well, D'Angelo Russell. He doesn't really fit in when nah. when. when no, I mean, let's say Sadaransky yeah. doesn't work. I guess you're right. Nah, hard pass on that. Let, let, let's move away okay. from that terrible idea and let's go to the next question. For <laughs> <laughs> this one comes in from uh, Red Bus Mike, so he's he's definitely uh, a, a a one of the few what that a fine young on man. the Red Bus, I would say. But he, he on Twitter at Bulls Nation. Oh, I was an Australian as well, so shout out to Mike. But he asks, the Bulls will win 36 games. I'd like to hear from you guys taking the over or under. I can hear Fred already saying playoffs. How, however, 36 wins is a 14-win leap, and one has to be okay with it if Zach and Larry show some growth. So I think this is a good question. I think it leads into some um, some takes that we'll have towards the back end of this podcast. So let's hit pause for a moment, Fred, because I want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsors, but let's come back after that and talk about Mike's question. First up, let me tell you about Indochino, which was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. I don't know about you guys, but it is hard for me to look good, but I do feel my best when I am fitted into a nice, good-looking suit, and that is what Indochino is all about. They are the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400 US. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering in Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. That's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Let me also tell you about ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, it's expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. Being in Australia, I've used ShipStation before to actually send some packages overseas and I've had no issues at all because ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, be it Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even on your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Bulls HQ listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. 
That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. All right, back now to the pod and back to Mike's question. So 36 games, he's saying, Fred, that the Bulls will win next season. And he's suggesting that we should be okay with that, assuming there is growth from Lowry and Zach. And I couldn't agree more with Mike at this point. My win range, I guess, of where the Bulls, where I'm expecting the Bulls to be is 34 to 37 wins. You've sort of suggested here that 45 wins is what you're going to be putting down as to your expectation. But what do you think? So we've essentially answered the over-under question. I think I'm probably, I'm, I'm right on that 36 wins. I'll, I'll just go slightly under and say 35 just to be, I'll have a differing opinion because you're clearly going over here. Well, tied in with this question is the general assumption that the Bulls were that bad last year, which I think is ridiculous. Like they had so many injuries. As I said before, if Golden State lost four of their top six players for large swaths of the season, they would lose considerably less games. The Bulls, if they were healthy, would would have won more than, you know, probably they would have won 30 games. I don't think the team coming out and if they have 70, if, if their top six players play 70 more games, I don't think 36 is a great season. 36 wins. I want I want to see at least 500 if they are a healthy team. I don't think that's too much to ask. In year three, you should see significant progress from Laurie. You should see if Zach replicates what he did last year. I thought he was great last year. And you've added a player, you know, Thad Young and Sadoransky and these quality players, and they're healthy, 36 wins would be a dis- massive disappointment to me. I expect with the amount of talent they have and Wendell Carter Jr. taking another step, the Bulls to win between 41 and 46 games in an East that is ripe for the taking. There's only like, I I don't, I'm still confused why people think Miami, as, as the roster currently stands, is like miles ahead of the Chicago Bulls. Butler's a better player than the Bulls, uh, better, the best player on both rosters. No doubt about that. Do you want to go through, you know, two through 10? I think the Bulls have seven of the next nine players. Uh, you know, so I don't I, – I, that's how I judge a team. Look at the rosters. Who's the best player between both teams? I just had – I sent this question in the cash considerations about Indiana. And I, I've talked to the, a group of uh, – my cousin lives in Indianapolis. I know a couple of people that work for the organization. They know how valuable Thad Young is. They didn't want to lose him. They're a small market team. They cannot – they couldn't afford to keep Thad Young. So you you lost Thad Young, you lost Bogdanovich, who was a very valuable player for that team. You replace him with Jeremy Lamb. Like Jeremy Lamb is Jeremy Lamb. What, what, is, what has he ever done that's really led to great, you know, great winning winning and success? I, I don't think they're better. I mean, obviously you added Brogdon, but he's always hurt. I think the delta between the Bulls and Indiana is a lot closer than people think. I still have Indiana ahead of them. I think the Bulls are the seventh best team in the East. And to expect 36 wins and act like that's a win to me is not, I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be very angry if they win 36. What say you? Well, I completely disagree because I think based on what Mike said, if Lowry and Zach show growth and the Bulls take a 30 or they win 36 games, to me, that is a successful game, a successful season because I think 36 wins can be put you in ninth or 10th in the East. And I think that is a step forward. I think that's all that matters at this point is progression. I don't think playoffs should be, it shouldn't be all about the playoffs this season. We have to remember this is only 
the third year of the rebuild. We still haven't seen Lowry, Zach, Wendell, and a bunch of these other guys actually be on the floor together for that many minutes. I mean, Lowry and Wendell played like 400 minutes together last season. So we don't even know if these guys as a combination really work for us to see sitting here and saying that this is a 40-odd, 45-win team. I think on paper, there's potential for that to be the case. And I know Andrew Sharp of Sports Illustrated wrote a very positive article about the Bulls this past week or so. So I understand the hype is building, but I don't think if the Bulls miss the playoffs, if they win 36 games, 37, 38, whatever the number is, is, is all I really care about at this point is, to, is the young players showing signs of growth, this team marketing themselves as a free agent destination in 2021. And so long as that is happening, that's all I really care about. If, if the playoffs happen, that's an added benefit. But if it doesn't, then it's no, it's no harm. I don't buy it. It's the third year of the rebuild. I understand if it was a Sixers timeline where your, your best player is Drew Holiday. We had Jimmy Stinkin Butler that we traded to, 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 to start this rebuild. It better be on a quicker timeline than the stinking Sixers. I, I don't have six, seven years to wait for the next title team. Like, I don't buy that. I'm not going to buy that. I know I give you we crap got, about being old, but you know that. <laughs> we got exactly. I know. I don't mean, I'm just saying, I don't, I think it's a huge mistake to say, look at the Sixers. The Sixers made a lot of dumb draft picks. It was an abomination what they did. Yes, they're they're great now after seven years. I'm not playing that game. In year three, the Bulls should expect to make the playoffs because we traded Jimmy Butler and we got two core pieces, not one, two. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's only the third year of the rebuild, but we should all, we also realize we traded one of the best players in the league to kind of uh, put that on on the fast track, and I think we did. So to I don't understand why people are starting to like lower expectations and act like that be success. Because I won't, I won't, Mark. I'll tell you right now, I don't think 36 wins is a success. So you heard it from me, and I will not be happy. 36 wins. I don't expect it. I'm glad you put that on record because um, it's a win-win situation for me yet again. Because if the Bulls (laughs) make the playoffs, then very good. My team is in the playoffs. But if they don't and they they win 37 games, something like that, and the team has taken some steps forward and you're mad still, it's still a win for me. So I'm happy. (laughs) So I hope we've answered uh, Mike's question there. But uh, I've, I've taken... The under, but I think his number is pretty much bang on. You've obviously taken the the over, but I think we can move on now, Fred. So this is, I'll combine these next couple of questions because they're about our man, well, your man, Denzel Valentine. So the captain underscore A, he asks, how many games will Valentine play this season? And Craft Beer Sochi asks, on behalf of the entire Sea Red Nation, can I get you all to officially sign off of my nickname for Denzel Valentine? And he's going with Ezel as in, easy bucket so a couple questions there i'm combining them because they're both denzel questions fred but how many games is he playing this season this season and, and what do you think about the uh the nickname of Ezel? all right well i'm hoping he plays 70 uh i think he's going to be imperative for our team to to reach its heights because his shooting is a is a at a premium in this league he's a proven three-point shooter he does as i've said before everything on the offensive end well he's a great passer a great ball handler uh, he does he moves very well off the ball. I love Denzel Valentine. I don't understand why people have not joined me in this love for the player. I think it's been unfortunate that he's uh, been his career has been really hampered by injuries. I'm hoping for the best for him. If he can play 70 games, great. If he has another year where he plays 20 or 25 games, his career is going to be you know probably over. So um, you know I hope I, I wish him the best. I don't. I think a lot of the conversations I have about 
of Valentine are so incredibly stupid. It just drives me. Nuts. I don't know if people are trying to irritate me. If I hear another moron throw out the Drew League as some kind of legit <laughs> criticism of Valentine, the Drew League isn't basketball. It's some kind of bizarre version of basketball that kind of highlights all the worst aspects of the sport. It's tailor made for like a guy like Antonio Blakeney, you know, but it, 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 it actually penalizes players who pass well, smart players who make s- solid moves off the ball. It's a joke. Slow players. Yes. Yeah, sl- Unathletic players. <laughs> they, they could, hey, you stop. They could play a Drew League game on my lawn. I wouldn't watch it. I despise it. If you want to use the Drew League as a criticism of Valentine, then we're done talking because you clearly know nothing about winning basketball. There's a reason Frank Nitty hasn't had a cup of coffee in the G League. It's because he's a selfish jackass. And his take on the game of basketball is a waste of freaking time. And if you want to win games that matter, you don't have a guy like Frank Nitty on your team. How did I get off on this tangent? Oh, that's why. Because people bring up the Drew League in almost every conversation I have. about. Can I just can I just interject for one second and say, yeah. you asked the question, why do people constantly bring up the Drew League <laughs> and, and Frank Nitty? And I'm pretty sure that emotive rant that you just went on there is exactly why they bring it up. <laughs> that is exactly why they well, bring it up. Right. As far as the Ezel, I mean, I love this guy. He seems like a great guy, Faro, uh, craft beer. But uh, Ezel, I'm not sounds like some kind of Australian bird. I don't think I want that one. I got. So you're not a fan of Ezel, all right. There you I, go, Farrah. Maybe we can come up with a better one. DV45. I love his number, 45. 45. There's, there's, there's like, you know, I'm really big on numbers and hidden meanings of numbers, as you might know. DNP45. <laughs> I, I don't hang up right now after that one. <laughs> You, look, it's low hanging fruit, but I had to, I had to go for it. But look, <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, Denzel plays this season. I like to give him crap mostly because just to annoy you. But I think we're all, we're all hoping for Denzel to get out there and play at least sixty yeah, games this kid. season. No one wants to see any player's career be derailed because of injuries, and it's an important year for Denzel because he's coming into the last year of his rookie deal. So who knows what lies beyond for Denzel, but. I hope for him, whether it's for the Bulls or just more generally just his basketball career, hopefully he has a healthy uh, healthy season and bounces back because we don't like to see injuries derail his careers. But yeah, Pharaoh at Craft Beer Sochi, we're not real big fans of Ezels, so sorry to rain on that parade, mate. But um, maybe go back to the drawing board and let us know on another one. Man, yeah, we'll run let's that work one together. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, let's, I'll, let's, let's workshop that one. But Definitely not DNP45. DM, I thought DNP45 was a good one. <laughs> But um, we had a few other questions come in for Eb now. I'll save them for a future episode because I want to revisit the terms of our bet. And people know the bet by now. I'm sh- I don't have to re- re-go over or go over the, the terms of the bet because surely they all know it by now and they're sick of hearing me talk <laughs> about it. But you have not fulfilled that end of the bet. That will supposedly be happening soon, as I'm told, before the regular season starts for this upcoming season. You keep pushing back the timeline, but hopefully that is to happen soon. But... We've got some um, some additions that may be coming towards that bet as well, which I'll let you maybe explain a little bit further because you haven't given me the whole picture. You've given me a little bit of a taste of it, and to be honest with you, I want more. Well, so, well supposedly, I'll, I'll use this form as an announcement. World exclusive. Well, yeah, the exclusive is uh, I, I unearth a couple recordings that are over a decade old. So lately, I've been getting back into my music career. I, I think on a previous episode, I told you how it ended in shame. <laughs> as I was beat up by a, a little person, but that was a long time ago. And I had to pull the guitar out for our church um, in my, my kid's school. 
they had a couple big acts canceled, so they got the probably third or fourth best option in myself playing <laughs> playing some. Did that seem to have to pull out late last second in there? Or? <laughs> what? what? There's, how dare you? There were a couple, no, there were a couple big uh, big acts that couldn't make it for whatever reason. So I, I played. Uh, it went very well, very well until I did uh, get down on it by cooling the game. The crowd was a little bit older, right? So a lot of older people. So I, I you know, I did Runaway by Del Shannon, uh, Cracklin' Rosie by Neil Diamond, and things were something by the Beatles. It was very good, beautiful moment. Anyhow. It devolved into after uh, get down on it, and then we did Africa by Toto. It, it started to go a little south, but it renewed my love for performing, and and I realized what a talent I had for you know <laughs> singing and maybe not singing, playing guitar. Definitely not singing. <laughs> so I found this old recording. This is going back sixty days and seventy five days of a song I wrote about an incident that happened at the UC regarding Kirk Heinrich. And I realized it, it, it came to me, I'm going to use this darn bet that I lost to promote my return to the music business with the studio version of Kirk Heinrich. So the song's called Kirk Heinrich. It's to the music of Wildfire by Michael Murphy from a late, it's an early 70s song. Yeah, I've it's never heard of it. Song. I thought you wrote and it. I, now you, you ruined that drink. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I actually played guitar. So I found an old demo that I did in 2009 that I've supplied to you. Now I can't provide you with the full song because I need to use this as a promo that I'm going to play the studio version on my show, the Chicago Bullseye. But I thought it'd be good for your listeners to get a taste of yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So let's let's throw to that. Let's let's give the people a bit of a taste of this upcoming studio release of this Kirk Heinrich track. Let's go for it. Kirk Heinrich, take 45. sat down at the United Center next to a spoiled 12 year old he was cheering for Kirk Heinrich with his daddy by his side on a cold December night I am floored by that. That's that's right. I had, I had a chance oh. to listen to it before the show, but it gets better on every listen, Fred. I, I, I the only thing <laughs> yeah. that my takeaway after listening to that is, I guess my questions are is well, two two part question is one, is that being recorded on vinyl, and two, can I pre order? <laughs> I I swear to God, I'm trying to look to see if I can get a vinyl <laughs> version for my friends at the holidays. So I have probably 10 songs that I wrote between 2009 and 12 about the Bulls. The next one about Tom Thibodeau was probably my all-time greatest. So I'm going to probably release that around Christmas for the Christmas rush. But this Kirk Heinrich song is a true story. December 2008, after the Bulls drafted Rose, I was sitting at the UC uh, 200 level and a spoiled 12-year-old sat next to me in his Kirk Heinrich jersey. And his, you know, his rich dad next to him. 
and we got into a conversation <laughs> during the game <laughs> and I outlined what we talked about in the whole song. So you only heard a, a, a small yeah. cut uh, and I purposely left it. Uh, I, I didn't release the rest, but I'll tell you what, for all you, your work you've done in promoting my album, uh, I will make sure I get you the, the 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 demo version, the full demo version for uh, after I release the studio. I version. thought what it's kind of like the Beatles, yeah. You know, the Beatles have really inspired me again. You know, we're going on the 50th anniversary, and this is this. I realized after hearing this Beatles story, do we do we have a little bit five more minutes? Yeah, this we'll go is, five more minutes. All right. So, anyway, Beatles fans out there. Beatles are one of my passions. I think they're the best band of all time. No one has ever come close to the, the amount of great work that they did in such a short period of time. So my, for my entire life of being a Beatles since I was a teenager, Abbey Road, which is the 50th anniversary of that album being released. Abbey Road was the last album the Beatles recorded. It was not the last one they released, which was Let It Be that came out a year later. But for my entire life, there's been this narrative about Abbey Road that it was the band decided to get together for one last album and to really go out on a high note. And then recently this Mark Lewinson, who's this fantastic Beatles historian, he's wrote several great books on the Beatles, found a recording that George, Paul and John made uh, of a business meeting that Ringo was not present at. So John recorded it. So Ringo was in the hospital, I believe, so he could hear what they were talking about. And this was after the release of, uh, or it was not maybe it was after the release, but it was after the recording of Abbey Road. And John is discussing their next album, what they're going to do on the next album. Uh, they're going to have a single released around Christmas. So this entire narrative of, oh, they had decided that it was over and they're going to record Abbey Road and it's all done was BS. For 30 years, I heard this stuff. You know, from when I was a little kid. And it made me, I, I think that's what ties what I found so fascinating about Kirk Heinrich. The narrative on Kirk Heinrich is that he was this, like, great player. I think if you ask Bulls fans, do you have a better opinion of Kirk Heinrich or Derek Rose? I, I'm mortified to think that people think that Kirk Heinrich probably was better for the Bulls than Derek Rose. It's not true. It's not true. Kirk Heinrich had two great years. The regular season of 2006 and seven was his high point shot, 44% from the field, 41% from three. He was fantastic that year. And I would have loved Kirk Heinrich if he could have replicated that year. He sucked in the playoffs. And from that moment on, in 07, that team didn't achieve greatness. Everybody acts like, well, it was because, you know, they just didn't have enough to get over the top. Yeah, a big part had to do because Kirk Heinrich somehow, although being played like paid like a star, devolved into like this role player that people just embrace because he played hard defense. That's not what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the 44% shooter. The guy I knew in 06, 07, I have no idea what happened to him, but he sucked after that. All his advanced metrics sucked. And people are, I was, he's on the hall of fame ballot when this came out a couple weeks ago. What the heck is going he's on eligible. in this world? Am I in bizarro world? He's not even remotely a Hall of Famer. He's not even – he wasn't the two best players on the on the Baby Bulls. That was Gordon and Dang. I, I So I saw a lot of similarities that were – the fundamental truths about the Beatles wasn't – I found it wasn't true recently. And a fundamental truth about the Baby Bulls and Kirk Heinrich, it's not true either. What do you think of that, Mark? Pretty deep, huh? 
Well, to be honest with you, I tuned out for part of that. But <laughs> I, I think the one I came back into, you were talking about Beatles and Kirk Heinrich. And oh, the only thing I've got to add is his haircut back in the day sort of looked like a Beatles haircut. So I assumed you would have been a big fan of him, actually. But clearly, clearly that is not the case. It's He inspired you and that child, that 12-year-old, whoever he was with his rich dad, has inspired you to pen. Just an absolutely beautiful track that uh, I can't wait to hear the, the full thing of. But yeah, I, I, I'm just floored that this even exists. I'm glad that it does because uh, when you shared it with me, it was it perked up my Sunday. I'll say that, Freddie. It was, it was a great way to start my Sunday morning. I couldn't have started on a better note. So I can't wait to hear the rest of this track. And I can't wait to see you rocking that Kirk Heinrich jersey that I bought for you that you need to do before the regular season starts to fulfill your end of the bet. Let me shed a little light on the plans. I am trying to get an actual video for this filmed where I play the 12-year-old, <laughs> uh, where I'll wear the Kirk Heinrich jersey <laughs> at the United Center. I'm working on, I'm going to be, believe it or not, I'm attending practice, thanks to the great Doug Tonus, on the on uh, 10-5. But that's not when I was going to wear it, because I'm actually going to ask questions. I don't want to look like a shit. Right, okay. But on the Settled 16th to the 22nd, <laughs> on the 16th to the 22nd, I'm, I've already worked it out with work um, every day. I got to wear this ridiculous jersey the seven days before the season starts. And I will interview people. I will take pictures with work associates in my Heinrich jersey. Um, I am going to be in San Francisco for one of those days. I'll be wearing the Heinrich jersey. So you said the 22nd, uh, did the, you say? The the Was that what, what you said? Well, 16th, 16th to 22nd. 16th to 22nd. 16th, All right. And then the Bulls opener is on the 24th, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? I think it's the 23rd. 23rd. Fair enough. Well, there you, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite happy with that. And if that can be the, the culmination of this track coming out at a similar timeline, I don't want to put a pressure on you as well, but if that could happen, this would just be a great way to lead up to the NBA season for me, Fred. I, I, I couldn't think of a better way. So hopefully you can fulfill that end for me. You know what would be even better? You know how Hendrix burned his guitar at Monterey Pop Festival? I think <laughs> what, it was you're going to burn yours now, too? <laughs> I'm going to burn the Heinrich jersey in right. front of maybe five or ten people, whoever wants to come out to watch it. Um, I think it would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. You can do with it whatever you want afterwards. You could probably sell it and get some money for it. I know I've had some people in my mentions asking, they'll, they'll buy it off you if you don't want it. So instead of burning it, even though that might be I'm not going to burn it. You may no, have uh, it, more catharsis doing so. Get some cash for it. I, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put get a Gafford uh, sewn over the name. Fair I think enough. it'll be awesome. Fair You're enough. The well, smart. I, I got to tell you, our friendship is really uh, blossomed. <laughs> and I, I think this bet. You know, I was really, really depressed about it. And you know, we were supposed to just everybody for their knowledge. We were supposed to go out. We had a trip planned to Yosemite. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't go due to some. Uh, it's a long story, but basically my son's basketball league dates changed, so we couldn't make it. And I was really looking forward to wearing that jersey in nature, where very few people would see me besides nature. But now, you know, I decided to change it into a promotional activity for the renewal of my musical career. Well, there you go. We're both winners in the end, friend, and that's what this podcast is really all about. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Actually, no, I take that back. Let's end it with setting new terms for the upcoming season because... We talked about over and unders. Well, Mike asked us the question about overs and unders. Let's set a new bet for the upcoming season because if this is the kind of stuff that I can receive this time around, I can only think about what I can potentially extract out of you next season. But let's set a new bet. You said 45 wins previously on no, the no, show. No, no, 43. Put that on it's got to be 43. 
It's got to be 43 because 4 plus 3 is equal to 7. So you, you said 44 last season, though. You're going to backtrack from last season even though the team has improved? Uh, well, I just I don't want to lose anymore. So you, you're bumping it down from 44 to 43. <laughs> that's the that's the big difference. All right. Well, look, look I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a charitable no, mood. Don't you see the symbolism? <laughs> well, I see. So the I symbolism. say 43. I see. Four plus but, three um, is equal to look. Yeah. Because you shared that track with me in advance before anyone else got to hear it, I'm in a charitable mood, and I will bump it down from 44 to 43 for this upcoming yes. season. We can work out terms later on, but the the line has been set. It's been the listeners here know it now. They're going to hold you to account as they've done throughout this season as well. But 43 wins. I'll take the under. You'll take the over. We'll set the terms and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully you're right. I want to see the Bulls get more than 43. But like I said, if they don't, I still win. And I think that is where we should end the podcast, Fred. I appreciate you coming on and um, <laughs> and giving me some insights of things that I didn't necessarily know about you before. And on this occasion, I'm thrilled you did because it has, it has given me such joy. <laughs> I love you, brother. I love you. All, all our, our animosity uh, online is uh, all big picture. There's a lot of love here. We are like the Beatles in a way. Who are you? We're the McCartney and Lennon of both Twitter. I'm, I'm definitely. I'm, I'm definitely the good one. Who was that? What McCartney and Lennon? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Which, which one's the best one? I'm, I'm, I'm that one. I don't. I don't well, like the I, Beatles. I think McCartney so. is. Plus, he's still alive, so I can't. Like, <laughs> I'll take him there. I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. All right, Bulls fans. So that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. What a, what an episode. I mean, I got to unearth that track from Fred. World exclusive, hearing that little excerpt, and I can't wait to hear the rest of it. But more importantly, thank you to everyone who sent in your questions to us here at Bulls HQ. Hopefully, we answered them adequately. I appreciate all the Bulls HQ fam sending in those questions. And of course, I am damn excited that the Bulls are just about back here. So it's awesome on all fronts here on Bulls HQ. The Bulls are back. Basketball is back. Kirk Heinrich music is coming out soon from our friend C Red Fred. It is all turning up, Bulls, and I couldn't be more excited. So thank you for joining me on this episode of the show. Follow me on Twitter at MK Hoops. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Bulls HQ Pod. Send me an email, BullsHQ at gmail.com. Oh man, what a, what an episode! What a, what an episode! But we'll be back next week when basically preseason is here, Bulls fans. So be on the lookout for that in all the usual spots. But thank you for joining me on this episode, Bulls fans. Speak very soon. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.